Okay, today uh, we're done with our series that we've been doing for many, many weeks here uh, that Raphael came up with on the callings and the different callings that we went through. And uh, so today uh, I asked Raphael earlier in the week, I said, now do you have any particular thing you want me to, to preach on? And he said, hey, dealer's choice. You know, you, you, can, you, you can preach on whatever you want to preach on. And uh, I started thinking, okay, what are some of the uh, things that have been happening in life and in the world around us? And sometimes that will bring... Uh, you know, bring a sermon to mind or some thoughts that, uh, from God's Word that we need to be studying. And I thought, you know, this is a week where uh, life really uh, is on a lot of our minds. Uh, you know, you, uh, you had the, uh, this the terrific, uh, terrible thing happen in the Ukraine of the uh, airliner being shot down. Uh, apparently, uh, supposedly by uh, a mistake. Someone, someone made an unbelievable mistake. It shot down an airliner, a triple seven, with uh, nearly three hundred innocent people. And uh, you know, you just, uh, if, if you're like me, uh, you think, you know, I've I've been in an airplane before, and uh, I'm sure glad someone didn't do that uh, when I was in that airplane. Uh, but you know, you begin to think about life a, a little bit. We have a new war in the world with uh, Israel and uh, the things going on over there. Of course, there's war going on. Uh, all around the world, uh, and uh, we we hear sometimes uh, things on the newscast that uh, you know it sort of rolls off us that uh, you know ten or fifty or you know more people perished or died uh, in in this or that accident or this or that situation. And I think particularly for many of us here in the congregation, uh, knowing uh, that uh, Marianne Ani is uh, going through uh, probably the last stages of her life of cancer and. Uh, 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 you know that that is, has brought to mind uh, life uh, and death. And uh, Raphael and I went to visit her uh, when she was still in the hospital on Friday, and uh, we had a really nice talk. And uh, she began to uh, tell me about all the different things that she's prepared and she's got ready and and all that. And I said, "Well, you've done a very good job. You are ready, and you've uh, given us a lot of thought, and you've had a lot of good advice and advisors." And uh, uh, you know, you've got that all set, but let's don't let's don't speak of that right now. Let's talk about how you're feeling. And uh, we went on to talk about that, and she said, you know, I'm ready. Uh, I, I, I realize that uh, it's my time. And I said, well, you know, you've run your race, and we all will run our race uh, as well. But, uh, you know, just uh, the, the thought and the, uh, the reality sometimes... What, what am I doing with my life? How is my life going? Is my life a life that's counting? Am I living the kind of life that I want to live? And that as I got, uh, get to the last part of my life, that I would be able to look back and say, well, I've run my race and I've done what God has wanted me to do uh, with my life. And the passage we're going to read here uh, in just a minute is, is a passage where you have a guy that's living his life and apparently it seems like everything is going fine and all of a sudden he gets a big curveball and he realizes things in his life maybe aren't as good as uh, they could have been. You ever get a curveball in your life? You think everything's going along and whoa, out of the blue, something uh, you didn't imagine uh, happens. Well, that happened to this guy in this passage. Luke chapter 12, you there? In verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, so Jesus is teaching and someone just yells out, 
Aren't you glad that even in those days some people did that, you know? Uh, because we know in crowds people do that. Someone yelled out, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So evidently, someone had had a, a death of a parent and one of uh, the siblings was sort of uh, hogging all the money and taking all the money. And who knows, maybe a sibling, his brother or sister was right there. But uh, he yells out, hey Jesus, tell this knucklehead to share. Share the money with me. And Jesus replied, man who appointed me judge or arbiter between you. And then he said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And then Jesus says a statement here of truth. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then He told him the parable. So He says, you know, I'm going to tell you a story here to illustrate what I just said. That the abundance of a man's life is not really how much he has. He says, the ground of a certain rich man... So this guy's already rich, right? But the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then He said... This is what I'll do. So he came up with a plan. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, once he's done this, once he's brought in his crop, and he's got all his, his, his crop in the, in the new big barns, and all the things he has that aren't in his house that, that he's accumulated are going to be in the barns, and he's got all this in a good storage area. Then I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. He says, you know, once we bring in this crop, I get these bigger barns up, I get everything stored and organized, I'm going to say to myself, you've got it set for the rest of your time in life. Eat, drink, and be merry. Have fun. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Jesus takes the opportunity here of this guy yelling out, hey, tell my brother to divide the the, the inheritance with me. He says, you know, you need to be careful about greed. You need to be careful about your over-concern about uh, material things, money, and the things that money can buy. And then he tells the parable and he says, you know, this guy had a lot. He had really, honestly, for most people today, if you could describe for their life what this guy had, they would say, that is the pinnacle. I've got all I need. I've got all I ever will need. I am going to step back. I'm going to take life easy. I'm going to travel. I'm going to have whatever I want. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to be involved with whatever I want. I'm going to do what I don't want. I'm not going to do what I don't want to do. I'm not going to go to work anymore. This is awesome. But God says to him, You fool. Because tonight, you don't know this. Here's what you didn't know. Here's the one thing you didn't know as you were doing all this and getting it all set up for the next many years of your life. Tonight, 
your life is going to be demanded of you, then who's going to get it? You see, isn't that where this story started? The guy said, hey, tell my brother to divide what my parents left me. See, the parents, they're now gone. And one of the siblings is hogging it and taking it off, and the other one, that's where the whole story starts. And Jesus says, here's a story here. Who's going to get it? Be careful about what you value in your life. Because sometimes in life you have to ask yourself, if I get what I am sacrificing my tail off for, is it really going to be worth it anyway? What do you really value in your life? You know, people say, well, money can't buy happiness. I beg to differ. Money surely can buy happiness. But is happiness really the goal? Is happiness in real life an equal equation? I know a lot of people that are happy, but their life is pathetic. Jesus says in John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. Or have life abundantly, as the old King James Version said. Life that's real life. Inward life. Being able to look at yourself in the mirror and not be ashamed of what you did last night. Or what you did last week. Or how you're living your life. I think it's a crucial thing to be able to live with an assurance that if I die, I will die with a life that counted. I actually did something with my life that really has purpose and meaning. There's a lot of passages in the Bible, and we're actually going to read, and we're going to continue on in verse 22 in a minute, but I want us to look over to James chapter 4. Now, the book of James, you have to prepare yourself because James is a very blunt writer. I mean, he just lays it out. It's one of those passages in the Bible that if you're just sort of a straight shooter, you love James. If you're a little bit of a person that likes to beat around the bush, you feel uncomfortable with James. I like James myself because I, I like to think of myself perhaps uh, as a more, of a more of a straight shooter. But in uh, James 4 verse 13, James says, Now listen, you who say... So people actually say things like this, okay? Today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city and spend a year there and carry on a business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Isn't that true? We have no idea what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Man, what a question. And he just... James just sort of reaches right down and grabs you by the nose. What is life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You know, I got to tell you, I like hot showers. 
And when I'm done taking a shower, the bathroom is mist up. It's all misty and all that kind of thing. And you know, you can't look in the mirror. Got to open the window, clear it out, and all that. But you know, you you open the door, you open the window, and you know, it isn't any time, and everything's back. You're a mist. We are a mist. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, and he goes on, he talks about that. Isn't that interesting that he describes life as you're a mist? We are here. Now, our life seems like it's gone on for all the time we can remember. And that's true. (laughs) Our life has gone on for all the time that we can remember. But in the scheme of things, in the big scheme of things, a particular generation of people, a particular lifespan of a person is not all that long. We're here for a very short amount of time and then we are gone. We understand that in the context of our family, right? Many of us in this room, our, our great-great-grandparents, uh, they're gone, they're dead, and they're gone, right? In many cases, our grandparents are dead and they're gone. In some cases in this room, our parents are gone. They're dead and they're gone. Now we look at that and we we think, well, yeah, that's the passage of time and all that. If time continues on, someone is going to be talking about you and me in that same exact context. I remember my grandfather on my father's side. My grandfather on my mother's side died when she was 13, so I never met him. Otis was his name. I always thought that was a great name, a great name of character, but uh, Otis. Uh, Otis Eldridge. Uh, that was my mother's father. Didn't, didn't ever get to meet Otis. He was quite a guy, from what I understand. Song leader. I didn't get any of his talent. But uh, anyway, uh, another story. But you know, I, I remember because my father's father died uh, when I was in 7th uh, grade. And so I remember Marshall Fuquay. I remember him. I remember him walking in the room. Didn't say much. Sort of a soft-spoken kind of guy. He chewed tobacco. And I remember he always had his can with him by, by, the, uh, by, by the chair there. I remember those, those memories. But he's now dead and gone. My dad is dead and gone. And I have all kinds of memories of him. And see, sometimes we've just got to turn, turn the crank of time and someone, if I live long and if my children have children, someone could be standing here saying, yeah, I remember my grandfather, Marty. Now, what, what about, they're not going to say he chewed tobacco and carried his can around. <laughs> <laughs> and someone says amen to that. <clears throat> but you know what? They'll say something, won't they? There'll be something, if, 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 if I live long enough and they're old enough to remember, there'll be something that they'll remember. Well, he was loud. He was soft. He said this. He was, you know, made a nice barbecue. Or, you know, whatever. I mean, there'll be something. There'll be some frame of memories. But then I'll be a mist and I'll be gone. Now, the Bible says that we live and then we face judgment. We'll be held accountable for the life that we live. In this mist, in this short period of time that we live, we have an opportunity to live a life that's going to do something. We have to 
ask ourselves, what, what am I doing with my life? If my life now were described, what would be said? Well, the big events. Well, Marty had, he had a son, Ben. He had a, a, a daughter, Maria. They adopted a 12-year-old girl from Russia, Anya. And I mean, the big, the big numbers would, would come up. Well, he was a minister and he was in Chicago. And then they ble- brief, brief, briefly went down to Buenos Aires, Argentina. And then they were in Los Angeles for many, many years. They were over at UCLA and, and, and helped start things there. And then, you know, ironically, actually even ended up doing the campus ministry for a while at USC. Wow, wasn't that interesting? Boy, yeah, he did both sides. Wow, man! I wonder which one he liked the most, and all that kind of stuff. You know, uh, you know, if, if, if they, uh, you know, had lived, uh, hadn't lived in that time, and all that. But you know, we live, and then what? What is going to be said about me? What is going to be said about you? What could be said about this rich guy? Build a cranking barn. <laughs> the biggest barn I've ever seen. Coolest barn. And he had he didn't have one, he had barns. He had a barn for grain, he had a barn for all the other stuff that he had that he couldn't keep in his house. Big barn guy. Really? Is that what you want remembered about your life? Here lies. Marty Fuquay built a cranking barn. <laughs> really? Now, most of us are like, barn- nah, no one has barns anymore. Oh, dro- drove a cranking car. Had a really nice house. Patio, you wouldn't have believed. <laughs> had, a, had a sleep number bed. <laughs> Slept at 65. <laughs> Worked for the school district. For 38 years. Worked at 38 jobs for 40 years. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Your life is a mist and then it goes and you and I will be held accountable uh, for that life that we live. Now Jesus actually made a couple comments that I want us to make note of. Look over John uh, chapter 16. About life. This is about life, right? That's what we're talking about. John 16 and verse 33. This is before Jesus goes to the cross. He's talking to His disciples and He's actually told them some things that, that they don't really want to hear and, and uh, He's you know, shortly going to be arrested and then will go to, uh, to die on the cross. He says in John 16 verse 33, I have told you these things so that in Me you may have peace. He says, I want you to have peace. Well, that fits with John 10.10, right? Right. I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus wants you and me to have a life that's meaningful and purposeful and and, uh, and, uh, peaceful. Inwardly peaceful. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Isn't that interesting? In this world, you will have trouble. All of our lives have trouble. My life has trouble. Your life has trouble. What that trouble may be in, uh, in, in different people's lives can be different. I was talking to Randy Rorady. He called me up. He says, hey, th- th- this last week my landlord said uh, we've got to move out. Oh, gosh, really? 
What a pain in the neck. That's trouble for Randy and the family. Gotta move. Not move because you want to move. You gotta move because you gotta move. You gotta mess up where the little kids go to, to, to the elementary school. They're very happy there. Messes up the, 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 the continuity of life. You know how it is. You, you move in somewhere, you live there for a couple of years, and, and you know you know where your junk is. <laughs> it may be junk, but it's your junk and you know where it is. And then you move to another place and you don't know where your junk's at. And, and it takes you a long time to even figure out, you know, how, how to get through life. You know, the first few weeks, you, you know, you, you may not even brush your teeth unless you go to the garden, you know, because you don't even, you don't know what, where, where, where did we put the toothpaste and, and, you know, all that kind of thing. <laughs> trouble. In this life, you will have trouble. We're talking about Marianne's situation. Karina goes up to, uh, to Alaska. She's on the Hope Youth Corps. What a great thing. Fired up. She's been saving money, making money uh, for, for months getting ready to do that. She no more than gets to Alaska and gets started. And her mother goes through this situation. She came home uh, th- th- this morning. But I'll tell you a really cool thing, though, that happened along that line. That in the, the, the two short days that she was there, she had such an impact on the people there that the, uh, the church leader in the Alaska church, the Anchorage church, Anchorage church uh, said, listen, we, we, we'll pay for her trip home. We'll pay for it ourselves. And as a matter of fact, this girl was so incredible, so impressive. We want her to come back next year to the uh, Hope Youth Corps next year in Anchorage and we'll sponsor her. She didn't have to raise any money. That's one of our teenagers right there. You can feel proud of one of our teenagers. I'll tell you, Hope Youth Corps doesn't have wink and blink and a nod. These are cool kids, all of them. But Karina stood out. Even in that crowd, she stood out as a sharp girl with got her head screwed on right. Very impressive. Uh, what, what a wonderful thing. But you know, in our world, we have trouble. She didn't want to get there, she got to come home. Kathy breaks her femur. Every time I hear someone say that, I cringe. Broke or femur? In this world, you will have trouble. Life is not easy. It's not easy for anybody. We have a tendency to look at the person next to us and say, well, they've got an easy life. My life's a hard life. You have no idea what that person next to you is going through. You have no idea the difficulty and struggle that they probably have in their life. Jesus actually talked about this more than once. Look over to Matthew chapter 6. This concept, He says, I want you to have life life to the full, but He also says, life is tough. Matthew 6 verse 34, uh, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We have no idea what's going to happen today. We have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus says. Quit, quit, quit always, you know. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's not, you know, we think, well, if I can just get to tomorrow, it'll be better tomorrow. Jesus says, don't bet on it. <laughs> Each day has enough trouble of its own. Sometimes it's just good enough to get through one day and be fired up about that. Now, go back to uh, Luke 12 where we started. Because I told you we wanted to go on a little bit 
and read further because remember the last thing he says here in verse 21, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Then it says in verse 22, then Jesus says to His disciples, so this is a continuation, right? He goes on, He says, then He says to His disciples, He actually, the parable was spoken to the guy who asked Him the question. Then He turns to His disciples and He says, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about this whole thing about life. He says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. That right there is a very difficult thing for me not to do. I worry about my life. I don't know if any of you do. I'll bet you a couple of you might. I worry about my life. I worry about financial things. You know, I worry about where my children are at and what they're doing. I worry about my wife. I worry about my health. I worry about a lot of things that come to my mind that bother me. I was talking to someone just the other day. I said, you know, I worry. We live in Los Angeles. We live in one of the prominent cities of the United States of America. The United States of America is hated by a big portion of the world. And I'm telling you, L.A. would be a great place for terrorism. And I worry about that because I live in L.A. You know what I'm saying? He said, but Jesus says, don't worry about your life. He says, you've got to get a hold of that. What you will eat about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. He says, okay, I want to help you here. Look at the birds. Look at the ravens. Look at the birds. They do not sow or reap. They do not store. They, they have no storeroom or barn. Isn't it interesting he said barn? <laughs> Yet God feeds them. Now, does that mean I don't have to do anything in my life? Oh, Jesus says, don't worry. I don't have to study. Ha! This is awesome. I'm a Christian and I don't have to study. Is that what Jesus is saying? No. Is Jesus saying, hey, I'm a Christian. I don't have to have a job. (laughs) Jesus is going to feed me like He feeds the birds. Well, if you want to eat what the birds eat... I don't think it was Jesus' intention to say, people, you need to act like birds. He says you need to learn a lesson though about God, that God takes care of the birds and God will take care of you too. That doesn't mean you don't have to work. doesn't mean you don't have to take care of your responsibilities in life. But He says, look at the ravens. He says, are you not much more valuable than birds? Now how valuable we are, He doesn't say. He does say we're more valuable than birds. Yeah, you can just go home with that. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? The indication is is you by worrying, you won't add any to your life. Medical science would tell us that if you don't quit worrying, you may take an hour off your life. Because you're going to raise your blood pressure and wear out your body quicker. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider... How the lilies grow. Okay, here's object lesson number two. First object lesson is consider the birds. Object lesson number two is think about the flowers. Consider how they grow. They do not labor or spin. Flowers don't need to work to look pretty. 
is what he's saying. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will He clothe you or you of little faith? He says ultimately faith is the issue here that we really don't expect birds or lilies of the field to have faith. But people are supposed to have faith. Faith means that we trust God. That means Randy and his family need to trust God that God is going to take care of them. That means that we need to trust God that God is going to take care of us. Now, trusting God that God is going to take care of us does not mean that God is going to give us everything we want. You see, that's where we go off the track sometimes. We say, well, I want... Fill in the blank. And when God doesn't give us what we want, we say, now wait a minute, I trusted God and God didn't come through. God doesn't ever say, I'm going to give you everything you want. He says, I want you to trust me to give you what you need. Now what we need and what we want sometimes is like the the far ends of the continuum. Because sometimes what we need causes us to suffer. It causes us to be uncomfortable. You say, well, why do I need that? You need that because you need to learn a lesson of life that only life can teach you through the experiential college of life. I want a husband. I think God says, noted. You've brought that up about my count is about 5,000 times. I want financial independence. Noted. You've brought that up about 10,000 times. I want what you need is you need something different than you want. And he's saying you need to have faith that God gives you what you need. And you trust God. And you say, God, sometimes you you have a conversation with God. You say, God, I don't understand this. I don't know why we can't come together on this. Can't we collaborate on this a little bit? Can't we get a little closer between what I need and what I want? Oh, you have little faith. We need to trust God that what we have is what we need. You say, I wish my wife were nicer to me. I wish my husband were this. I wish my children were that. What you have is what you need. Well, I want. Noted. Do better with what you have and we'll talk about it later. You understand what I'm saying? God is our Heavenly Father. Did you ever ask for something that in hindsight, later on in life, you realize, I'm sure glad I didn't get it? I love that Garth Brooks song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. You know, the, the, the story there is he went back to his high school reunion and saw his old girlfriend. 
thank God for unanswered prayers. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> we need to trust that what God gives us is what we need. And do not set your heart on what you eat or drink. And do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things and your Father knows that you need them. Do you get that? Your Father knows that you need them. God knows what we need. He's really not all that persuaded by what we want. He knows what we need. But seek His kingdom... And all these things will be given to you as well. If you get your priorities right, likely a lot of that stuff's going to come around anyway. But if your priorities are out of whack, if you're not seeking first His kingdom, you're probably not going to get those things anyway. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He says, He talks to them, little flock. He talks to His disciples, He's a little flock. Your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Wow. What do we have in the kingdom that people in the world would love to have and they don't have? Jesus says, All men will know you are my disciples because you love one another. Marianne is dying. And she has so many people that want to text her, email her, call her, and visit her that she doesn't have the energy to do it. How many people in Los Angeles today are dying alone? See, sometimes what we have is of so much more valuable than what we could ever imagine. We spend all of our time moaning and griping about what we don't have. And what we have is so much more important. Jesus, as I said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Full life is not made of things. Full life is a life that is a life of purpose. You have a reason to live. You have a purpose in your life to be like Jesus, to seek and save the lost, to help people be saved, to serve people who have less than you, to be like Jesus to the world around us is life. That's really life. It's life That's an abundant life. It's life that's a full life. It's a life that will never end of purpose. There's always the purpose of caring and loving and serving and giving to others. I want to close out with a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you will turn over there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul here shares about how he feels as a minister. And it's how Chris and I feel as your ministers. 
It's how we can feel toward people that we minister to as well. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 5, he says, For we do not preach ourselves. Paul says, I'm not talking about me. This isn't the gospel about Paul. It's about Jesus. We do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. That's what Chris and I strive to be. Your servants for Jesus' sake. It's not about me. It's not about her. It's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ as Lord. And we being servants to you and us being servants to others in the world that we serve and have an impact on. For God who said that light light shine in darkness made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. He's talking about the physical body. We have the blessing of being servants to the people around us embodied in a jar of clay. Your body is a jar of clay is what He's saying. My body, physical body, is a jar of clay. It's going to break. It's fragile. It will not last forever. To show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It's not about us. It's about God working through us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. It's tough sometimes, but we're not crushed. Perplexed. Sometimes we do not understand everything that's going on around us, but not in despair. I don't need to understand everything God does. Persecuted. Sometimes people say and do things that hurt to us, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. In other words, the attitude we have is the attitude that Jesus had in His death. I'm giving my life for the betterment of other people around us. That's how we live. We walk around with that being our, our, our prime directive of life is to have the attitude of Jesus. So we walk around carrying the, the, uh, in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. We can actually be like Jesus to people. They can see Jesus in us. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that His life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the One who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us up with Jesus and present us with you in His presence. All of this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Now look at this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. You can't run off disciples. You can't do it. That's one thing I learned as a young minister. I cannot preach hard enough to run off disciples. 
the harder it is, the more they love it. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away. Boy, that's the truth. Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes. Okay, so here is what we do. We fix our eyes. We refocus ourselves. We fix our eyes. Not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What is your life? I want my life to count. You want your life to count. We want to be able to face death knowing that I lived a life that had an impact. I lived a life that Jesus would have wanted me to live. I lived a life that I'm not ashamed to face the Lord. So like I told Marianne, I said, you're ready for the big introduction now. You're going to meet the Lord. She's going to answer for her life. As you will and as I will. You want to live a life in this life that you're not ashamed to answer for when you go into the next life. Jesus said it's life to the full. I hope my sermon today and my thoughts for you today will send you out of here. This is not necessarily a rah-rah sermon. You don't get around. This is maybe not high-fiving everybody. <laughs> but you walk out of a sermon like this and you say, you know, i I, I got some thinking to do here. I need to live a life that I'm proud to live and face God and answer for. Because we all will as we go through. As we go to the next life. Brothers and sisters, I love you dearly. Hard to believe I could love you anymore. Many times in life, we've got to have moments where we say, okay, it's time to refocus. It's time to, time to get my, 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 myself where I need to be. I need to be living the life that Jesus wants me to live. God bless. Have a great time of fellowship.